which means that the actual embodied voice is not with us because he is uh, at the remote location at an undisclosed location somewhere near uh, Tomahawk, Wisconsin, celebrating, or I should say marking the Memorial Day holiday. Good morning, Merle. Well, good morning. Good morning, everybody. It is just a beautiful morning. A little chilly, though. I got up this morning and said 36 and it was 31 yesterday. I mean, just, uh, it'll definitely make you wake up when you go outside. Yeah, so rough. That's so rough. I mean, and what really makes Merle wake up, though, when he goes outside is the, the beautiful sight of the trees and the freshly mowed grass and the, uh, you know, the, the, the smell of the, is it pine up there in, uh, Let's Tomahawk? go with that. Sure. Okay. Um, when all actuality is probably more like, uh, you know, allergies, pollen, and, uh, the scent of, uh, you know, a fire that's still burning with uh, plates in it from the night before. That's close <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, indeed, it's uh, it's a great uh, like we like we've said, it's uh, it's a great set. I mean, there's certainly worse places to go, and the fact that uh, Merle also takes time uh, to chat with us uh, here on Making Financial Sense uh, while he's in his uh, happy place up there in Tomahawk is uh, just the the cherry on top. What where else would you be besides you know outdoors and, and talking financial? Um, well, no, this is just the best part in the world. If I could be outside doing this, I should have planned this a little bit better. That would have been more fun. But, uh, you know, I don't have a landline outside in here. I still have the old-fashioned version that sits on the table. So oh. um, I'm actually tethered to a cord right now to make sure that we have uh, our best clear radio as much as possible. <laughs> yes, uh, kids, for those of you who don't know what the uh, corded telephone is uh ask your parents because uh it's I, I guess if your parents are my age at one point or another you fought over the landline telephone with uh yeah. your brothers and sisters yeah. again he is merle kelch we are making financial sense on am 550 fm 99.9 wsau i'm wsau news director mike leishner joining you in studio and just because merle is uh, on the phone line doesn't mean we don't have an open phone line for you so feel free to give us a call at 715-845-2155. As always, our chat and our fodder is just uh, filler for your phone calls. And, uh, you know, first out, uh, Merle, obviously, I, I mean, I, I hate to be an absolute broken record about this, but it obviously is something that's top of mind for everyone. You can't listen to a newscast, uh, be that local or national, without hearing something about it. Uh, the debt ceiling Still has no deal at this time. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the mo moving target has been June 1st. Now we're hearing it might be closer to something like June 4th or June 5th to when the United States goes into default. You know, we've said it before. Deadlines make deals in these situations. So once again, Merle, take a step back, breathe, tell us all why we're going to be okay. You know, the, the, the debt ceiling... Battle and then again, um, I have to go back to 2011. And if uh, most people have been listening to anything in the news, it's the time that we keep citing all the time in our industry. I'm talking about the debt ceiling, and the reason for it is because that was the first time that we actually let it expire and and go past, and we didn't pay some bills for a certain period of time. And so we have a little bit of history at least. And so part of that history, um, it, we look at it and we look at it today and go, eh, okay, they'll get it done. It was okay. We still end up paying our bills and we still end up being okay and that kind of stuff when it was done. And, and so with it, I don't think that we see the the fear that we had in 2011. At that particular point in time, we saw the S&P 500, and I think the S&P 500 went down some 20%. But part of that was, at that time, 
is that uh, we saw our credit rating drop. So we were at a AAA credit, and I think it was S&P dropped us down. Um, and so far, we haven't had that happen at this point in time. And I know Fitch has come out and said, well, we think it's going to drop down. And a number of other people said, for what reason? We haven't defaulted on anything yet, and nothing's happened. So why would you default it now? But, you know, or drop the credit rating. So so with those things, at that time, we just saw a lot more fear and volatility happen inside of the marketplace. And we're just not seeing that right now. We're not seeing the market go up, but we're not seeing it fall apart either. It's just kind of like blah at this point in time. I'm waiting to see what happens. And so I don't think we see that um, as we've seen in the past. But nonetheless, everybody's waiting to see what happens and not making any decisions. We've getting you know, considerable phone calls coming to the office and people saying, you know, what should I do? You know, if the government's going to go broke, what should we do with our money? Well, the the government's not going to go broke, folks. It's already broke, and it has for a long time. This is just extending our uh, um, our uh, you know credit card debt limit. We're just making it bigger is what's happening. But we need to do that to make sure we continue to keep paying the bills. And again, as we've said here, and what a lot of people don't realize is that it's not like we're we're, we're uh, not going to have any money coming in. It's just that we'll only have the money to spend that we have coming in uh, from taxes being raised. And so um, I and my other friends go, huh, we'll have to live on what we make? Weird. Huh, this is going to be odd. Um, and so that's what's really going to happen here. But watching the marketplace, of course, because all of us with our 401Ks and our savings and our investments, um, it's going to make a, a difference on what the market's going to do from a volatility standpoint. And so far... The market's not doing much. In fact, if we look at the NASDAQ this week, the NASDAQ has just taken off insane, obviously, uh, as part of it with NVIDIA and Microsoft and others just uh, taking off and making a big jump this past week. But it's all about the debt ceiling and waiting and where are they going to get this done. And, of course, Janet Yellen is is trying to say, well, by June 1st, we'll you know, have to start scrambling, and, and uh, they're trying to do the calculation with the money coming in, too, and say, so well, maybe it's going to be the fourth. But they, too, also don't have an exact number because, you know, the amount of taxes coming in varies, too. Yeah, and, yeah, and that can, you know, vary just even based on who has a job and who doesn't and, and what time they yeah, gotten yeah. paid, right? Because the employers, yeah. uh, you know, give I guess if as much as you can, give us an idea, you know, how does this work? Somebody like you or I, we get that paycheck once every two weeks. We look at it. We see X number of dollars that are taken out and given to the federal government to be that, you know, two figures, three figures, you know, whatever it may be. Exactly. Yeah. Does that check then from, say, our employer get cut to the federal government at that time? Or is, you know, our employer holding on to that and maybe submitting one check every quarter? Or does that depend? Well, it depends. I mean, uh, you know, when my I withhold the you know, for my employees, I withhold the taxes, and it goes in on the 15th of the month. Um, it gets sent out that way, and uh, it goes automatically. So mm-hmm. that's how, you know, I set up, and I think a lot of others are the same. Uh, but you have also varying other taxes that come into the federal government, um, you know, from various taxes that come from uh, simple things like fuel and other areas and so forth. But there's a constant stream of cash that's going into the uh, the government. Of course, what's collected from whichever from the IRS, from people and people sending money in for various purposes for either uh, quarterlies or monthlies or extended, all that sort of stuff all happens and puts cash into the into the pocket of the IRS. Mm-hmm. And it's not a small dollar amount. It's a, it's a good-sized chunk of change. I don't know the dollar amount off the top of my head, but it's a good size. Yeah. So the, one of the things that, that kills me in this thing, and, and if you're listening – yeah, you and, and know me. You know that this drives me nuts, and I, I can't stand when either one side of the political party 
start saying that they want to get rid of your social security and it's just the biggest thing that drives me absolutely nuts and i've heard it a couple of times too well the first thing that's going to happen with the debt ceiling is you're not going to get your social security and and folks don't listen to that junk because even in 2007 everybody on social security still got their social security checks and i hope it uh, the people that didn't get paid is a um, uh, deferred payment to federal employees um, i often make a you know said and, and Warren Buffett says this a couple of times, too. He said, if you want to get a budget or something like that done, uh, make it so the first people who don't get paid are the, um, the congressmen so that they don't get their fees and, and uh, you know their their payments and expenses and all that stuff. They get cut out first so that the first ones not to get a check and this would be done a lot faster. And I, I think that worked perfectly. And you know what? And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't pay them. Um, uh, we'll probably see this get done a lot quicker. But, you know, the, you th- think about the political... Uh, stuff that's going on, and, and it's all trying to take advantage of of uh, the fear of the rest of us versus just simply getting the job done in the middle of here. They all want to make some sort of posturing for their political future coming up. Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, don't forget that, that there is an election coming up uh, next year. And actually, you know, to your point, Merle, I believe there was at one point a bill being circulated that did have some bipartisan support that uh, the lawmakers were going to pass that said, no, we do not get paid if we uh, do hit the debt ceiling. I'm not sure that I ever saw a follow-up as to whether that actually got passed before the lawmakers left for recess on Friday. Uh, But of course, the lawmakers have been told to stick around and be able to be in Washington in their chairs to vote within 24 hours uh, notice or so. He is yeah, Merle yeah. Kelch. Show. We are making financial sense on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU. As always, just because Merle is on the phone doesn't mean we don't have an open phone line for you. We absolutely do. So go ahead and give us a call at 715-845-2155. If you have a question for Merle, we'd be happy to uh, to chat with you coming up next here on WSAU. Online at WSAU.com as well. Merle Kelch making financial sense on a Saturday morning live uh, from the Remote headquarters near Tomahawk, uh, Merle. You uh, there, again. A lot of stuff uh, going on this week. Uh, a short week, or a sh- I guess you would think, quiet week going into the three-day holiday. Markets are closed on Monday. Uh, nothing's really going to shake the the markets up too much. However, that's uh, not exactly what happened uh, this week. Uh, between, as we said, debt ceiling already and the ongoing. Uh, I guess you would call it maybe a train wreck that you can't look away from with Anheuser-Busch. And mm-hmm. now Target seems to have run into that mess uh, as well. How do these all these things end up impacting uh, the markets and the, uh, I guess, your business uh, of what you do with retirement planning and financial planning? Yeah, well, with, with an individual company, it doesn't have a, a, a huge effect generally because of the diversification we do with our clients. So it doesn't have that. Um, but I think the implications of what's happening, um, I think, have to make us stop and pause and take a look long-term at what's going on. So we, we all know, and if you haven't known, folks, um, but we have you know, Anheuser-Busch, which, of course, caused some issues because they you know, published some, published, is that the correct term? They created some beer cans and, and mm-hmm. aligned themselves with, oh, geez, uh, Dylan, Dylan Mulaney, a, thank yes, you, Dylan Mulaney. Uh, an online influencer. Uh, who happens to be transgender, yes. So what's happened with this now is it's, I think it kind of woke up a majority. And, and, you know, I was looking at some statistics on this, and, and folks, 
good, bad, or indifferent. I don't really, it doesn't matter to me other than the fact that we see that, you know, many people that are in, you know, the, the transgender and that type of thing and, and, and that type of uh, vein are such a small percentage of the population. Um, in fact, I, I think I read as much as one uh, or 2% and that was it, uh, you know, even portion of that. But having them influence what's happening with the rest of it, some people are simply have enough with. So Anheuser-Busch comes around, and the demographic of Anheuser-Busch um, isn't necessarily that part of the demographic. And again, not saying it's good or bad, but it's true. And so Anheuser-Busch, by doing so, ticked off the majority of their demographic that said, we're not having it anymore. And of course, we saw what happened, um, and it went through. So we saw, again, a company that decided to make political statements rather than simply being a company making good beer that decided to become political one way or another. And we saw the same thing happen with Disney. Um, and so as a result of that, then, we saw their stock price going down because the majority of people started saying, we're not putting up with this anymore, and they stopped buying the product. So as we've seen so many happen, happen so many times in America, people started voting with their pocketbook. And now we just saw the same thing happen with Target. Target, of course, it's Pride Month coming up, and uh, they had displays in the front of it, and people had enough of it, and uh, they made a decision over, I believe, last weekend, Mm-hmm. to take all these displays and the things that they did and move them to the back of the store and, and uh, out of sight because they started having problems and people started, again, um, voting with their pocketbook and saying, well, we're just not going to use your store because we're not putting up with this stuff anymore. So good, bad, or indifferent, we have to look at now and saying, well, is this company doing that sort of stuff and do we want to invest in them because is it going to become a problem with their business into the future? Um, it's interesting to me to see how this happens. Um, it appears as though that companies... Um, that uh, try to be political are shooting themselves in the foot right now because America is just not putting up with it. It's so as you mentioned, uh, this is one company. It's one, uh, maybe one stock in a portfolio or things like that. Yeah. So, so, so the, does this right, right. maybe, uh, you know, put, to put you on the spot here, does this set the playbook for something that would happen down the road where you would see a different company possibly going in this direction and you might have to think for a moment uh take a pause and say wait a minute is this a company that we want to have in our portfolios to protect uh you know the growth of our clients money you know you you actually hit upon something mike here on a number of different cases um and i got to go back maybe to to tell the story um but we have to look at and say you know does making decisions trying to chase companies that are um woke um, that are looking at this, or uh, ESG, this environmental, social, um, environmental sustainable governance. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. The ESGs that yep. the government's trying to push upon. You know, is that the right direction to go? And the answer appears to be no, because it becomes a, an issue over time as far as being able to generate the amount of money or profits that are needed for long term. And so here's here's what I mean by I have to go back a bit to chat about this. So there was a, a family of funds years and years ago, and, and uh, I'm not picking on the funds, but they tried to have mutual funds that were socially responsible. In fact, that was the, the term that they used even then. And this is back when I started my career, when I was uh, a young man three years ago. No, that's not really true. It was 30 years ago, but nonetheless, um, in there, um, we had a lot of clients that would say, well, I really want to use those. We did a lot of work in a school district at that time. And so the school district people said, we want to use those funds because they're socially responsible. But the problem was, um, is one, you can't really define what social responsible means. And you can define what socially responsible means to you, but it might be different for the next person. So that was one problem. 
um, because they might have had socially responsible fund A, but that was different than socially responsible fund B. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, they wanted to have rates of returns of the rest of the marketplace, but be socially responsible, and the two things just typically don't mix. Um, and we're still finding that same thing today. Um, socially responsible funds tend to not do as well as uh, just funds that are being diversified. And so with that then, uh, we have a thing in our industry with the Department of Labor and Department of, of uh, I'm sorry, and Securities Exchange Commission and FINRA that says we have to do the best job for our client. Well, the best job for a client is to have the things that have the best rate of return, and the government's forcing you to have the things that are socially responsible, or ESG, those things are just known over history to not necessarily have the best rates of returns. So there's a big battle that's going on um, in the industry and thoughts on saying, you know, how do we do this? So then we see that same stuff happen from an investment standpoint, and now we're starting to see that stocks that have been bellwethers for a long time are now having troubles within themselves when they're becoming political. And so how do we get through that? And, and so that's always going to be a battle going on. But if we start looking more and more as individual companies that are becoming um, woke, is that the term that we want to use? I think so, yeah. Political, um, it appears as though that the tide is turning and that the general population are saying, we've had enough of this, we're not doing it anymore. And they're starting to suffer suffer on the bottom line because people stop shopping there. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. You know, we we look at Disney. You know, Disney got into a political battle with the state of Florida, and now it's going to cost them some money because of uh, the state of Florida said, "All right, we're not going to put up with you having your own, uh, you, know, uh, you know, mini government area and that kind of stuff." And so there's becoming issues for companies on that want to continue to keep pushing a political agenda on Americans. So we'll see what happens with it. But it's an interesting. Interesting time. Yeah, and it's just another thing that uh, in your industry that you're having to juggle in addition to, well, I guess the standard, would you call it math, that goes into the job and the prognostication and the uh, uh, therapist aspect of it as well, correct? Well, what's interesting is in my uh, business, folks, I've said that uh, um, it shouldn't be counseling. Uh, I'm sorry, it shouldn't be consulting. It should be counseling on the door, because sometimes that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 30-some years in this, I'm still sane. I'm one of the last ones that still have my brain about me. Otherwise, <laughs> a lot of other people have cracked up already at this point in time. <laughs> he is Merle Kelch, and we're making financial sense on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU. As always, our chat is just filler for your phone calls at 715-845-2155. We'll get to your uh, phone calls uh, in the program uh, as we get them, of course, live on the air. Uh, Merle, one more thing we're, we're, uh, we're going, to, going wanted to hit on uh, before too long. We do have the uh, news break coming up here in just a bit. But first, I want to let people uh, know that we've got another uh, great article from Market Watch we're going to be talking about a little later on here on the show. Uh, and that involves just exactly how much it takes to actually live the American dream. Now, uh, how much do you think that that uh, actually takes, Merle? What's inter- I, I, I bet I got this this question three or four times this past week. At a particular age, how much money should I have? Mm-hmm. Um, or do I have enough to be able to retire? And so I've gotten those questions a number of times. And I think you know, when we see the, the fear and people talk about default, they want to know if they have enough money. And so it's different for everyone. You know, um, you know, the amount that I, I require during retirement is going to be different maybe than what you require during retirement and, and maybe different than what my mom needs. 
because we all have different lifestyles that we lead. And so as a result of that, then the amount that we have um, is is different. So there was an article, and I'm trying to pop it up as we're talking here in MarketWatch, um, this morning that I read, and it was a um, lady, as far as the commentary goes inside of here, she said that, um, you know, I'm, uh, oh boy, I want to pop the article up. You know what always happens as soon as you do that. Okay, I'm 54 years old, and uh, I have $100,000 saved. Should I move or should I buy a house here in Southern California? And in that's an article by uh, um, Arthai, oh Jesus, uh, this name, I can't even guess what the last name is, so I have to put my glasses on to try to see this one. Uh, Swarmarthenian, there you go, that's what I got. So we look at in this American dream, this person, she's working in Southern California, she's 54 years old, she saves 100 grand, she's paying 1500 bucks a month instead of a condo rent, um, and she works at a, a steak place. Um, and in the middle of that, she says, should I buy a house here or not, is what she goes through, and of course, inside of the uh, the article they talk about and says, you know, uh, uh, dear uh, market watch uh, people and, and responding back, and you know, so she's looking at actually saying, well, geez, I can't do what I want to do here in Southern California because it's too expensive. They move mm-hmm. someplace else. And so for her, the American dream is not in Southern California because it's so expensive. Um, and they're moving out of the location. And we're seeing a lot of that, you know, mm-hmm. people moving all over the place, not only for political purposes, but for taxes. The amount of taxes you're paying certain places are high. And the amount of cost to live someplace is high. Yeah, and so no doubt American about dream, it. And, you know, in the yeah. in the day of remote work, that's even more possible than ever because you could be able to do that and not have to to leave your job. I mean, again, see what we're doing right now. Merle, live on location in Tomahawk, calling in uh, on the phone and still getting work done. The the American dream, obviously, um, you can have your American dream, but some things you just have to adjust and say, is my American dream X or Y? Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that we'll tell people um, to have the American dream is is define what your American dream is because it's different for all of us. Um, you know, my American dream has never been to buy a yacht and sail around the world. I, I like going on cruises, but mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm going to buy a yacht. I'm more of a fishing boat, and, uh, well, I really can't catch fish, but I'll at least drive my wife around so she can catch fish, otherwise <laughs> I'm going to starve to death. Right. Yeah, but you know that's my that's my American dream. I want to have that. I want to have a you know place in the woods that I can have a campfire. I'm I'm that kind of guy. I always have been. Um, you know, who, who doesn't like a vacation? But I'm not. That's the person I want. We have other people that want to, you know, have a house on a beach and someplace warm, and that's what they want to do every single day. It, it, different subsets of what you have to do to be able to get there. Um, and so you know, some people, um, you know, say, well, is a hundred thousand dollars? Can I live the American dream? And the answer is. Sure, what's your dream? You know, mm-hmm. and he has to quantify it that way. We'll have clients that will have a, a million dollars and they don't have enough money to retire on. We have other clients that have a million dollars and they only live on Social Security and never touch the million dollars. It all, again, it depends upon what is it that you want to do for your American dream. So there's no set answer which says, I have a, you know, what amount do I need at a certain age to be able to retire? It all depends upon what you intend to spend. Then the biggest one I have is people will say, "Do I have enough? Or, um, do I have enough money to be able to retire for the rest of my life?" And I look at them and say, "Well, tell me how long you're going to live." My answer <laughs> becomes pretty easy then, right? You know, so uh, but it's a, it's a different animal uh, uh, all over the place. But a good question and one that people ask all the time. And if you don't know the answer, to that sit down and chat with a financial professional because they can give you some different answers um, or give you the answers in which you seek. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are investment vehicles, and right now with interest rates going up, there's investment vehicles that actually have some pretty good interest rates popping up. Um, and, and with that, you have the ability to make some decisions and have some incomes that we weren't able to find two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, just because the interest rates are so low. So that environment is changing uh, quickly uh, today. Uh, so it's kind of neat to see. Yeah, 715-845-2155 is the number to call. We will have more with Merle coming up next, but first, here's your local and national news on WSAU. It is 8.54 on this Saturday morning here on AM550, FM 99.9, WSAU, and online at WSAU.com as well. Uh, Merle Kelch joining us live via remote on this Memorial Day weekend, and uh, Merle, has you have the smoker fired up already, is that correct? Well, it will be shortly. So okay. When we finish up from this show, the uh, the smoker will be uh, rolling within an hour, getting ready to go for dinner for tonight. So, okay, is it a is it a Traeger? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, your your advice then uh, for Traeger stock? I mean, do you own stock in Traeger as well as owning their products? Is <laughs> I this do not, something? But I own a lot of their products. It seems. Yeah. Yeah. Is this something that happens in the world of investment? Does Merle look around his kitchen and say, "Boy, I own a lot of this stuff." I should buy stock in it. Well, you know, there's some there's something to be said about that. Um, now, you hit upon something. Uh, Peter Lynch, um, who is a longtime Fidelity manager, in fact, uh, he brought a Fidelity Magellan fund up to prominence and, and did a hell of a job investing that over the years go through. And one of the principles he said, he said, I like to invest inside of stuff I know and use. And he said, I'll walk around my house and look at the products. And if it's something I like, somebody else must like it too. Um, and he would use that as some of the basis of doing some of the investing. And so... You know, you look around just as I'm sitting here. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my iPad from Apple and my mm-hmm. iPhone. I'm looking at my Yeti mug. You know, just sitting here um, as I'm, I'm doing it. My Keurig coffee maker is making noise in the background because my wife decided to sort of, you know, a cup of coffee as we're doing the show. So, um, but you look around at stuff, and there's not bad things to be said about that. You know, as people start using more and more things um, in, in names and products, it, other people are probably doing it too. And it's a it's a good way to start looking at individual stocks if you want to do so. Yeah, and um, and, and of course I say something like that tongue in cheek because again yeah. our uh, you have the answer to all the the standard questions. Do I want to retire right now? Can I retire right now? And things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I I say that tongue in cheek, but yeah, it turns out there is actually something to it. It's not something to yeah. maybe base your entire portfolio on, but yeah. it can give you a starting point. But, you know, you can, you can go uh, Warren Buffett. You know, everybody knows the name Warren Buffett. He's, you know, 90 years old and still out there investing. And in the process of doing so, um, you look at the names that he bought. You know, he bought, he likes to buy companies that are man, well-managed and has products that people know. So, you know, he's a principal investor inside of Coca-Cola, Dairy Queen, Orange Julius. Those are all names that he likes to invest in because it's products that we all know, like, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't know I had hit on something there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, see, look what you're learning. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, I'll, I'll learning something, you know, every time we, we sit down and chat like this uh, once a week. Again, uh, it, you know, we didn't get any uh, phone calls today, but, you know, Merle, uh, obviously I'm going to ask you uh, how people can get a hold of you uh, outside of the show, but I guess uh, what I want to ask you right now is, that you know, the big takeaway from today's program, because obviously we hit on, a lot of things that are going on on the political, uh, you know, spectrum, the news spectrum, because that's impacting the, the the financial markets right now. And again, I've been saying uh, it's group therapy. 
don't pull your money out right now. Settle down because this too shall pass. What's the biggest thing that you want people uh, to take away from today's show? <coughs> Excuse me. If you don't, if you don't croak first. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing I, I think is, 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 as you said, don't panic. Knee-jerk reactions are the things that have long-term effects as far as a portfolio goes. Um, in, in 30 years of doing this, folks, I've, I've seen people make knee-jerk reactions, and those are usually the ones that end up shooting in the foot. Usually your decision, your knee-jerk reaction, is usually the wrong one, I find. Um, usually not doing that knee-jerk reaction, stepping back a little bit and letting a little time happen, um, um, you can have the ability then to uh, um, uh, make a better decision. So, for example, saying, well, geez, I'm going to you know, get out of the stock market because the debt ceiling. Well, we've been through this before, and we still did just fine as time goes on. In fact, this past week, um, we had a client who is a, a knee-jerk person. Mm-hmm. Um, I like him a great deal, but that's what he is. He tends to make knee-jerk reactions, and my job is to you know, talk him through from jumping off the ledge and and uh, in doing so, so we went back and we went to 2014 on. I said, so remember when we first started talking years ago, and so husband and wife were there, I said, our average rate of return is going to be right in this neighborhood. And he said, yep. So I went through from day one in a portfolio, I looked at it, and we're right there in that, uh, that uh, um, rate of return that we talked about 14 years ago. And so this is what the average is when we diversify. And we hit that, even going through the pandemic and, um, and uh, you know, and, and going through this past year and all that kind of stuff, and all the stuff we talked about in the market going up and down, we hit those numbers. It's all on average. But if he would have knee-jerked out at some point in time and took everything out of there as he wanted to, um, he would have never had that rate of return. It would have been something less. And that's the biggest thing. If you have questions, contact a financial professional. Talk to them. Get their thoughts and their opinions. And in the last uh, 20 seconds here, how can they get a hold of you? You can give us a call Monday. I'm sorry, Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> a stop and visit us, 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street, Wausau, Wisconsin. Give us a call locally, 715-849-3600. Toll free outside of the Wausau area at 866-355-5100. Or always find us online at kelchinassociates.com.